0: Devoted to prayer, we've called uh, this talk. I wonder how that makes you feel on a Sunday morning in May. Maybe you think prayer, I'd love to pray more. I I really would, but I'm I'm just too busy. You don't know what it's like with children. I I just don't have the time. Or or you might go, to be honest, I'm I'm pretty angry at God right now. I, I just don't want to. Or... It doesn't really feel like he's listening to me at the moment. Or or I trust that he's listening, but can he even do anything about it? Or maybe you just go, I I don't know how, I don't know why. Maybe your feelings towards prayer are, are sort of similar to the way that the world around us views prayer. They can often see it as a kind of superstitious thing, can't they? Uh, almost a, a formality or, or a ritual. Maybe I'll say a prayer at the start of the working day, at the start of an exam or, or the start of a journey. It feels like the right thing to do and I'm probably better off doing it than not, right? Or, or if not superstitious, maybe we can see it as a kind of bargaining tool with God. If, if I pray for that, then, then God will give me it, right? And so I go, God, um, in this time of desperate need, please just give me that, and, and I'll do that thing for you. Maybe you're here and, and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, or, or you're a new Christian and, and you just don't know what to make of prayer. What is it? Does it even work? Or maybe, uh, maybe you'd say, you know what, I, I, I pray pretty regularly. But I'm not sure I'd say I feel devoted to prayer. I feel like I'm lacking some kind of satisfaction in my prayer life. Do you ever feel, maybe it's just me, do you ever feel like it's so much easier to be devoted to almost anything else but prayer? The latest Netflix series my phone, updating my social media profile, my job, good things even like friends and family, a hobby, a sports team that will follow up and down the country. How can we change our attitude towards prayer that moves it from something that feels more like a duty to something that feels like a delight? Well, where better to look than to learn from the lips of Jesus, the Son of God himself, by looking at the Lord's Prayer, where he shows us not just the how of prayer, but also shows us the why of prayer. And that's important, isn't it? Because at the end of the day, being told how to do something isn't quite enough, is it? For real transformation, for us to really want to do it, we need to know the why as well as the how. And so our prayer is that as we get into the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6, that as we see the how and the why, that our hearts will be warmed and excited to pray. That we may be a people, we may be a church that is devoted to prayer. And similarly, this is our prayer for Jack. That as Jack grows in his young faith, he might be someone who is excited to pray, who knows the privilege of prayer, and so loves to and lives out his relationship with God in prayer. So let's get into the Lord's Prayer. How can we be devoted to prayer? We're going to look at three things, break down the Lord's Prayer into three sections. Here's the first. We need to remember God's character. We need to remember God's character. Don't miss how Jesus starts the prayer. Don't just gloss over it as a kind of formality, opening sentence. No, he gives a wonderful reminder of who it is that we pray to. And so tells us the incredible privilege we have every single time we pray. We pray to God, who is our Father. Jesus highlights the special relationship we as Christians have with God. It, Of all the names that God could have used, he uses our Father. Of all the names God could have chosen, he chooses our Father. Jesus wants us to know and to remember the intimacy of the relationship we have with God. And I realize that with this many people in a room, there will be many different experiences of our father-child relationship. And and I don't know how yours was. There's a story of a young boy called Danny. His his teacher asked him, Danny, if you have one pound and you ask your father for another pound, how much would you have? Danny replies, one pound. His teacher, a little puzzled, looks at him and says, Danny, you don't know your maths. To which Danny replies, Miss, you don't know my father. And hey, it's, it's a funny story, but maybe that rings true for you. Maybe it brings home part of your father relationship. Maybe at times it was distant. It, it was cold. Maybe at times no relationship at all. And please don't let that relationship affect how you view your relationship with your father God. A God who we have naturally turned our backs on, breaking any kind of relationship that was there, yet a God who loves us too much to ignore us. A God who reaches down. A God who sends his own son to die on the cross in our place. A God who acts to repair this broken relationship. A God who forgives our wrongdoing, a God who welcomes us back to him, a God who adopts us as his children, a God who we can call Abba, literally Daddy. We have a God who wants to hear and answer our prayers because he loves us as our Father. Our Father is approachable, And so, when we may be tempted not to pray today, or when we think we may be not worthy enough to come to God in prayer, or when we think that God just wouldn't want to hear from us, right? Well, remember that we pray to our Father, who loves to hear the prayers of his children. And so, just as a loving human father would never reject the approaches of their child, so we have a loving, a loving Father God who would never reject the approaches of his children. And so we can come to him anytime, anywhere. Will we pray? Because we pray to our Father. And yet in the same breath, Jesus doesn't just say he's our Father, but Jesus says not only is he approachable, but God is awesome as he describes our Father as in heaven. Jesus wants us to know that this Father is in charge of all things. He is king of all things. He is ruler of all things. He is creator of all things, sustainer of all things. And so just as if we were approaching royalty in human person on this earth, so there demands a right humility as we approach the king of the whole universe. And yet, don't let that scare you away from God, but let that give you confidence as you approach the king of the universe. Because we have a Father in heaven who is able to answer our prayers because he is God in heaven. Our Father is awesome. How much we need to remember who it is that we pray to, In fact, I wonder if this is the thing that I need to remember most in my prayer life or the thing that I can be prone to forget most. I need to remember the incredible privilege I have in who I get to pray to, that this God is our Father. He loves to hear from me. And this God is in heaven. He is able to do something about my prayers. Imagine for a second what we'd lose if you were to take one of those things away. Either we'd have a God who loves to hear from us, but can't do anything about it, or we'd have a God who is powerful to do something, but doesn't even care about us. And yet, wonderfully as Christians, we have both, and we can speak to this God. The song we'll sing in a bit says these words, The God who made the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. And so the song goes, rejoice. And may I add, and pray. Be devoted to prayer because it is an incredible privilege. We get to speak to the God of the universe who has adopted us as his father. Second, how can we be a people devoted to prayer? Well, by remembering God's priorities, verses 9 and 10. You see, often, if you're anything like me, our prayers can be shaped by our priorities, our requests, our needs, our wants, our desires. And yet Jesus here starts by shaping the prayers by God's priorities. Here's the first thing. Hallowed be your name, Jesus says. Hallowed means to revere or to treat as holy, totally pure. And what is to be hallowed? What is to be revered? What is to be treated as holy? Well, God's name. Names are significant. And we've maybe lost that a little bit lost its significance. In in fact, in the past, when names were used to give a meaning, to tell us something about the person whose name it was, maybe now names tell us a little bit more about the parents who gave them that name. And sometimes it can make us feel sorry for them. Spare a thought, for example, for one lad whose parents named him after the entire Leeds football team, which won the championship in 1991-92. So here's his full name. Dominic Andrew Lukic Newsome, Fairclough White, Dorigo McAllister, Batty Strachan, Speed Chapman, Cantonar Kazooks. I mean, if you're going to do that, at least use the first names, right? Not the surnames. Apparently, it would take him about half an exam just to write his full name on the front of the answer sheet. And, and yet, in the past, and certainly in biblical times, names were really significant. And none more so than with God himself. And we saw this in our Old Testament reading. As God reveals himself to Moses, it is his name which he proclaims. Do you remember it? Exodus 34, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord, Yahweh. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And so on into the New Testament. The Son of God is given the name Jesus, which means God saves. Why? Well, the angel makes it so clear to Joseph before this baby is even born, because this baby will grow up to save his people from their sins. So will we pray, hallowed be your name? Here's how one writer describes this part of the Lord's Prayer. We pray that God's matchless name might be revered, adored, and glorified, and that God may cause it to be held in the utmost respect and honor, that its fame might spread abroad and be magnified. Will we pray to see God's glory and God's holiness displayed throughout the world as we see it displayed throughout his word? And will we pray that it impacts our lives? Hallowed be your name in our prayer lives. Don't treat prayer lightly. And so just as we can come and approach our Father in heaven, so we come with a right way to approach a holy God. Get rid of the distractions. Turn your phone off for just a moment. Close your eyes. Get down on your knees. This is God. Will we pray, hallowed be our name, your name, in our speech and in our lives? Will we pray that we live lives and speak in a way that shows off the glorious and holy God who we serve? And will we pray, hallowed be your name, for it to impact the lives of those around us? It seems that today God's name is nothing more than a swear word or a way of just letting off steam these day's. Will we pray that God's name be hallowed, be holy? I wonder if you saw it just this past week uh, on BBC Breakfast. Uh, at the end of an interview, uh, the person being interviewed just finished it without thinking by cursing God's name. And the interviewer straight away replied, hey, there's no need for the blasphemy, is there? And you know what it's like? It's awkward at the moment. No one knows how to reply, but it was different. It was refreshing, standing up for God's name to be hallowed, not swear. Hallowed be your name. Next, your kingdom come. The kingdom of God is a a common theme throughout the Bible. Uh, And in the New Testament, it in fact marks out the start of Jesus' ministry. Mark chapter 1 says, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is God's kingdom then? Well, it's less of a a marked geographical area, and it's more defined by his people. It's God's people, Christians everywhere, living under God's kingly rule. Peter, in his first letter, describes followers of God as aliens and strangers. He says, we might be living in a country for us here in Britain, but actually we are citizens of somewhere else. We are citizens of God's kingdom. We are to live under God's kingly rule. And so we are to let that affect the way that we live as we live in the world around us. It's a bit like, if you like, if you've ever been abroad, you can spot a Brit a mile off, can't you? Because we cannot help but live out our Britishness wherever we seem to be. And so we look for the pub or for the fish and chip shop. Or we crave hot weather, and as soon as we get abroad and find it, we look for the shade, or we get inside as quick as possible. We, we queue for everything. We apologize for anything when there's no need. We can't help it. As Brits, we just live out who we are. And so we, in, in such a better way than Brits abroad, we are called to live out God's kingly rule in our lives, wherever we are. Your kingdom come. is a prayer for us, Christians everywhere, to live out God's kingdom. But it's a prayer also for God's kingdom to be extended, to grow in the lives of those who don't currently trust him. And so it's a prayer as we bring friends and family and colleagues who don't currently follow God. We pray your kingdom come in their lives, that they would submit to his kingly rule. So that his kingdom grows. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. I wonder where your mind goes as you hear that phrase. Mine goes to the Garden of Gethsemane as Jesus is praying before he's arrested and led away to be crucified. And again, in that moment, we see the importance of God's priorities. Jesus prays in the garden, if there is any other way for this cup of suffering to be taken from me. And yet, he submits to God's way, God's will. He says, yet not my will, but your will be done. It's a prayer that God would help us submit to his will. A prayer of humility, a prayer of trust. Humility, to be able to say your will, your way, not my will, my way. And trust, to be able to say, God, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. It's it's uncertain, and if if I'm honest, I'm worried. But what I do know is that, God, you are good, and you love your people, and you promise to work for the good of those who love you and so your will be done. And so will we pray your will be done when times are tough, when there's uncertainties about the future, whether that be job or family or where the money's going to come in for from or ill health in the family. And it doesn't stop us from bringing our request to God. No, Jesus moves on to that, but it does help us to get our priorities in order. And so Jesus calls us to entrust and submit ourselves to our Father in heaven. To say, God, I don't know what will happen, but I do know that you know best, so your will be done. And it's not just a prayer for his will to be done in the future of the things that we don't know, but it's also a prayer that your will be done as you reveal it to us in your word, the Bible. A prayer that however we want to live or act at that moment, if it's going against God's way of how he wants us to act and live at that moment, a prayer that submits to his will. Take a moment, I wonder what area of your life it is where you need to pray, your will be done. Where you need to pray, God, everything inside of me wants to act like this but I know that goes against how you want me to act, so your will be done. Maybe it's in your attitudes, your thoughts, maybe your mind wanders to things that you know it shouldn't do. Maybe it's in your speech, biting back at someone, or or getting involved in the gossip in the office. Maybe it's in your actions, wanting to get back at someone, take revenge. Father, your will be done. I wonder, do you see how countercultural the Lord's Prayer is up to this point? It's so often the prayers of the world are hallowed be my name. Make my name great. Make sure other people know my name. My kingdom come. I want to build my empire. What's the message of the world? Don't don't have a boss. Be your own boss. Start your own company. Be your own CEO. Build your own empire. My kingdom come. My will be done. Don't be telling me what to do. I'll decide what I can do and can't do. Thank you very much. And how does Jesus respond? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Be devoted to prayer as we remember God's priorities. Because through prayer, God enables us to be part of his agenda. The greatest agenda we could ever be a part of. And finally, as we finish, we remember God's provision as we're devoted to prayer. Remember God's provision. Jesus moves from remembering God's priorities to then thinking about what we need. And so, as we need to be careful not to make our priorities the main priorities in our prayers, so we need to be careful not to make the opposite mistake of thinking that we just should never bring our requests to God, as if God just wouldn't be interested in that. No, we have a Father in heaven who's interested in us, and so Jesus shows us how we can bring everything to Him. And so, as we remember God's provision. So we realize our total dependence on God for all things. And Jesus covers our dependence on God in three areas here. Our physical needs, our deepest need, and our ongoing spiritual lives. First, our physical needs. Give us today our daily bread, Jesus prays. Jesus says we're dependent on God for all our daily necessities. Bread here gives us the picture of all the things we need to keep on living, to keep on surviving. The people listening to Jesus would have been reminded of the people of God in the Old Testament as they wandered about in the wilderness, praying that God may provide food and God graciously sends down bread from heaven for the people of Israel to eat and to enjoy And so Jesus reminds us that we are dependent on God for all that we need. And realize it's the things we need, not want. It's to pray for the necessities that we need, not the luxuries that we'd love. I wonder if you're ever in danger of taking what we have for granted. Food on the table, roof over our head, clothes on our back so much to be thankful to God for, and yet we just take it and spare God no thought. In fact, we often think we have some kind of entitlement to it. Or maybe for you it's the opposite. Maybe things are really tough at the moment, and you're not sure you're going to have enough food for the family this week. Will there be enough money coming in compared to what needs to go out? And, and it's a real cause for worry. anxiety. What am I going to do about it? Well, Jesus says, pray. We are dependent on our father for all things, and so will we pray to him? Give us today our daily bread, and then our deepest need, forgive us our debts or our sins. Jesus reminds us that we are only able to be in a relationship with God We are only able to enjoy the privilege of praying to him because he has forgiven us our sins. And so the challenge is that we need to regularly be coming back to him and confessing our sins and repenting and asking for forgiveness. It's a humble reminder that whilst we have been saved from the penalty of sin by Jesus' death on the cross through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we continue to fight every single day against the power of sin in the world around us. And the reality is that if you're human here today, you'll keep slipping and messing up. And so we need to keep coming back to him. Because the promise in the Bible is, says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins you need to turn to God for forgiveness, keep coming back to him. Have you messed up again? Keep coming back to him for forgiveness. Because every time we come back and truly and genuinely repent, he promises to forgive us. And don't just repent, but ask God to change you. That's the final part of the Lord's Prayer. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. You see, it's no good praying for forgiveness and then heading out and just doing the same thing over and over again. No, we need change. And so we need God's help to change, that he might help us to avoid temptation or testing, this word is, that he might deliver us from the plans and schemes of the evil one who loves to trap us. Be devoted to prayer. How will we become a church, a people who is devoted to God in prayer? Well, we need to remember God's character. We have an immense privilege that we can approach God who is our Father in heaven. We need to remember God's priorities, that He involves us in His agenda in the world. And we need to remember God's provision, that we are totally dependent on Him for all things. Our daily needs, our daily forgiveness, our daily lives. So let's pray. And as I pray, I'm going to pray through the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to do that a little bit later as well in the service. And after every sentence, just give us one line that maybe you can take away. And as we go away from here, to pray the Lord's Prayer each day as we go. So let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, God, thank you that you are our Father, that you have adopted us, and that you are our Father in heaven, that you love to hear us, and that you can answer our prayers. Hallowed be your name. May your name be treated as holy everywhere, in our lives and in the lives of those around us. Your kingdom come. Father, help us to live out your kingly rule in our lives, and we pray that your kingdom may come in the lives of those we know, who don't follow you currently. Your will be done. Father, help us to submit to your will, to trust in your will for our lives, and to live out your will as revealed in the Bible. Give us today our daily bread. Help us to be dependent on you for everything. Thank you for all that you give us. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Thank you for Jesus' death on the cross. Sorry for the times we still don't live the way that you call us to. Please forgive us and help us to always forgive those who wrong us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Please change us, Lord. Please protect us from temptation. And when we do face temptation, please protect us from the schemes and plans of the evil one. In your name we pray. Amen.